0: Today's scripture will be from Ezekiel chapter 33, verses 30 through 32. This pat and this is page 857 in the Black Pew Bible. This passage is from the exile of the Israelites, and the Lord is showing them there were His word, but they're refusing to obey Him. Chapter 33, beginning in verse 30. As for you, son of man, your people. Who talk together about you by the walls, and at the doors of the houses, say to one another, each to his brother, come and hear what the word is that comes from the Lord. And they come to you as people come, and they sit before you as my people, and they hear what you say, but they will not do it. For with lustful talk in their mouths they act, their heart is set on their game. And behold, you are to them like one who sings lustful songs with a beautiful voice, and plays well on an instrument, for they hear what you say, but they will not do it.
1: Matthew chapter 7. We have been walking through the Sermon on the Mount and we are at its conclusion today. Jesus has been preaching. We're not sure how long He preached. We're not told of all that He taught, but we are given the high points, the highlights, if you will, the bullet points. And we've seen what type of attitude a kingdom citizen should have as we looked at the Beatitude, we've seen how a kingdom citizen understands Jesus and the law. Jesus didn't want to abolish the law, but Jesus fulfills the law and proclaims what the law demands and the law what the law points to and, and, and what the law anticipated. Jesus kept the law and the law points us to Christ. We're given a, a very high standard, aren't we? To measure ourselves by and to live by this Sermon on the Mount. Our righteousness, we're told by Jesus, must exceed that of the Pharisees, who were at the time the most righteous people externally that, uh, that, that were in, involved in Judaism. But Jesus tells us how our righteousness can exceed that of the Pharisees. He says, we're not to murder, but we're also not to be angry, or, or we're to an- be angry and sin not. If we're to be angry, we're to have a righteous... Anger. We're not to commit adultery, but we're also not to desire anything that is forbidden. We're not to lust. We're told not to divorce. and We're told to keep our word. We're told to surrender our right to retaliate and love our enemies. See, our righteousness is, can't just be an external righteousness, going through the motions, keeping the law, crossing the, 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 the T's and dotting the I's and being righteous outwardly, but we're to be righteous inwardly. And by correcting the religious leaders' misunderstanding of the law, Jesus is kicking the ladder that they were climbing. See, they were climbing a ladder trying to attain their own righteousness. And what Jesus is doing in the Sermon on the Mount, he's kicking that ladder out from under them and and out from under us as well. And Jesus teaches us when we do righteous things like giving to the needy, and, and when we pray, when we fast. We should do these things with the right motives not to get an attaboy or a pat on the back or a little applause. We're to do it because we want to because our motives are pure. that's not enough Jesus then teaches that the kingdom citizens those who follow him should not be worldly but they should invest in spiritual things things that result in people being saved and people becoming more like Jesus. We don't store up treasures on earth. Jesus tells us also we shouldn't have critical attitudes, but we should always keep our own sin in mind so we'll stay humble. And then if that's not enough, the icing on the cake is that we're not to be anxious. Well, how do we do these things? How can we live this out? Well, we can on our own strength. Isn't that the point? We must ask and seek and knock. We must petition the Lord for help. But not all people want to petition the Lord for help. Not all people want to be kingdom citizens. Some are on the wide path that leads to destruction. Some have not entered through the narrow gate. In fact, some are on the wide road. They're wolves masquerading like sheep. And although at first glance they may look the part, they're going to be cast out into outer darkness because they don't know God. Let me read for you verse 23 by way of context. And then, what I declare to them, Jesus says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And we get to our last few verses, verses 24 through 29 this morning. And it's a parable. It's a... A metaphor if you will and we have to remember when we're looking at parables how to interpret them rightly my buddy I'm quoting Andy Lawrence here he says keep the main thing the main thing and the main thing will be the plain thing and so that's what we're going to do this morning as we look at verses 24 through 29 and we wrap up the Sermon on the Mount a couple things to point out to you first uh, the comparison the comparison we have two builders here let's read this text Starting verse 24, Everyone then who hears these words of mine, this is Christ, Jesus speaking, right? Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain fell and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can come together and study it together and Lord, I'm thankful for those that are here and Lord, you've given them a desire to be in worship, to sing true songs and to study truth this morning. And and for those who aren't, they've they've been coerced maybe by a mother or a father or a husband or a wife or a grandparent, but I'm thankful that they're here and we know that it's by your providence that you brought them here and we pray that you would use this time together as we study Lord, as we take your uh, the Lord's Supper, as we do these things, Father. May you do uh, your work in each of our hearts. For the lost, may they see their sin. May they see your glory. And may they want you more than all things. And Father, for the church, those of us who are repentant, those of us who are um, redeemed, the regenerate, may you stir in us and motivate us and, and discipline us and, and chastise us and empower us. Do all that you need to do in each of our hearts this morning for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name. Amen. Three points this morning uh, as we wrap up this great sermon. The first is the comparison. We're going to compare these two builders. What is similar with the activities of the wise man and the foolish man? Both are doing the same thing, aren't they? They're both building a house. And they could have Houses that look alike. And even from the outside, as they built the, these houses, maybe you couldn't determine, distinguish which house was built upon the better foundation. But they're doing the same thing. They're building a house. And we also see that there's storms that arose, right? The rain, the floods, the wind, um, they came. These storms come upon their houses, and they both had the same difficulties. And isn't that true that trouble comes on the righteous and the unrighteous, doesn't it? The scriptures tell us that in Job chapter 14, verse 1. Man who is born of a woman is few of days and full of trouble. That's true, isn't it? We all have difficulties. Right now, some of us are going through difficulties, going through hard times, maybe with our family, maybe financially, maybe physically. Um, We're going through difficulty, and that's true for those who are Wise and those who are foolish. It's interesting, I think, the difficulties in life, they, they help us to determine whether uh, our, if our foundation is firm or not. And some would say the storm's not necessarily difficulties, hardships in life, but some, some would say the storm is, is the day of judgment. And of course we know that not only do we go through hard times, but we'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, won't we, on that judgment day. We all will. None will escape. We'll all give an account for what we've done in this life. And that's true for, for all of us. Another similarity is that both heard the words of Jesus. Everyone then who hears these words of mine. That was spoken about the wise man as well as the fool. They both heard the words of Jesus. They heard the exact same teaching. You might say they, they could have gone to the exact same church. That's what they have in common. Well, what do they have in contrast? What do they have that's different? The contrast. Well, the houses may look alike, but the foundations are completely different, aren't they? The wise man has a good foundation. The foundation is rock, and not just rock, but here in the, it's bedrock. It's solid rock. It's not going to move. It's very stable. And the foolish man, he built his house on the sand. It's not very stable, is it? The wise man builds on a good foundation. The wise man, Jesus, likens it to a man who hears uh, the word and obeys Jesus' words. But the foolish man builds on a terrible foundation on sand. When the storms come, when difficulties come, the foolish man's houses or house collapses. This man hears the words of Christ and he disregards them. When you don't listen to the master teacher, the one who knows what is best for you, when you don't listen to the one who knows the future, when you disregard the one who is himself wisdom, your house collapses. I told you when we look at the uh, parable, remember the main thing will be the plain thing. And the plain thing here, the main point of this text, that's what you always have to do when you look at some kind of parable. Don't worry about how many or what color. Don't worry about all the details, right? The main point here is that we should be wise by obeying what Jesus says. I mean, Jesus, on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we, we have these teachings of Jesus, Sermon on the Mount. Out of all of these teachings, he's put together in a nice little package, Matthew chapter 5 through 7, and all these wonderful things. Some of the most well-known scriptures in all the Bible are found here. And we get to the very end, and at the very end we have this parable, summarizing and wrapping it all up. Jesus has done all this wonderful teaching. If you hear these teachings and you obey, you're like the wise man. But if you disregard Jesus' words, if you allow that the, the teachings here to, in one ear and out the other, kind of just rolls off of you like water off a duck's back. If you just kind of disregard it, put it aside, you're like the foolish man. Or you could say, state it negatively, I guess, the main point is don't be a fool. Don't disobey Jesus. Obey Him, right? So that's what they have in common and then what's different about each of those builders. And then the third point is the authority of Jesus' teaching and then we have a response, don't we? I mean, Jesus taught all these awesome things and then it says that the crowds were astonished, were amazed, just as we would be if we were sitting at His feet. For he taught not like the scribes. See, when Jesus taught people to notice, you weren't quite as quick to fall asleep, to nod off. He kept your attention a little better. And he's already taught in the sermon and when he's teaching about the law, when, when the Pharisees, religious leaders, they misinterpreted the law. They didn't understand the law, so Jesus is correcting them. And he says, well, you've heard it was said, but Jesus but I say to you. He's correcting them, and Jesus can do that. See, the, the scribes, when they taught, what they're doing is they're regurgitating old information. The scribes would quote others and what others had to say about the law. Their teaching was a derivative, if you will, but Jesus' teaching is the original. Here's the Son of God. These are his very own words, and he has authority. And the reason he has authority is because of who he is. I mean, he's the Son of God, the one who created the world, the one who is revealing the Father's will. If you remember the the time when he was transfigured, do you remember that? He took three of his disciples. Who did he take? Do you remember? Yeah, Peter, James, and John. It's all, when I say Jesus took three people, I always say Peter, James, and John because that's going to be right most of the time. His three closest disciples, he took them to the mountain. And what happened? He was transfigured before them. In Matthew chapter 17, verse 5. Peter, he's, he's seen Jesus and Moses and Elijah and he's wanting to build a structure. He's like, man, let's just build, a, build something for y'all. We can just stay here forever, right? Build a structure for you to live in up here. And this is what the Lord, the Father, says to, to the disciples. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Now, think about where the disciples were in their, their understanding of who Christ was. Jesus revealing himself over and over again, little by little, time and time again, teaching with authority, rebuking his disciples, revealing who he is, telling what he's going to be doing, Right? And they're little by little they're getting it. Of course, they won't completely understand it after the resurrection. But what does the Father remind them to do is listen to the Savior, listen to the Son, listen to Jesus. Why? Because he is the Son of God. That's why we should listen to Him. In fact, if Jesus wasn't the perfect Son of God, but just a mere man. And he said these words. We would think he's the most arrogant and the pompous person ever to live. But no, we listen because he's the Son of God. Is he the Son of God? I'm asking you that question this morning. Is he the Son of God? Is he the Savior? Is he the one who spoke the world into existence? Is he the one who came and lived a perfect life? Is he the one who, who died on the cross? Is he the one who rose on the third day? Is he the one who is the Son of God? Is he? If that's the case, we have to listen to his words. Jesus just said, a wise man is one who hears his words and obeys them. The fool is the one who hears them but doesn't heed his words. Most people don't read the Bible. They'll say it's because it's not very interesting to them. I don't think that's the case because they'll gladly give themselves over to a multitude of other things that are far less interesting than the words of the Lord. I mean, the creator of the universe has given us his description of himself and tells us his will and he he has this love letter written to us. How is that less interesting than other things that we read? People don't read the Bible. People don't come to church. They say the Bible's too hard to understand, and yet that can't be true because the same people they'll spend many hours trying to fill, trying to trying to do their own taxes, fill out their tax forms, or they'll have some gadget computer software that they're trying to figure out, and they'll just spend all this time just trying to figure it out. And some people say, I I don't read the Bible because I just don't have time. I don't go to church because I don't have time. But yet we have lots of time for lots of other things that are far less important. People don't read the Bible and people don't come to church and sit under the teaching of the Word because Jesus' words, because Jesus is the Son of God and the words bring conviction and they demand obedience, they demand change. And we don't like change. We like same-o, same-o that's comfortable and that's easy. 1 John chapter 2 verse 4 whoever says i know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him when we hear the words of jesus we're we're to obey. And when we obey it does bring change. James chapter 1 Verse 22 to 25, very familiar passage. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. See Jesus' words are meant to be heeded, are meant to be obeyed, and they're not meant to put on, be put on a shirt, just merely be put on a shirt, right, or or to put on a coffee mug or a plaque in your cubicle at the office. They're not these cliches to be admired, are they? No, Jesus speaking to us, and his words are to be heeded and obeyed. Summing up the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives us his parable, and He says, Be wise. Don't be foolish. The things that you've heard, let's do them. So but by way of application, we could, we could say that, right? That's easy. Just do what Jesus says. Obey the Lord. And, and it's not easy, is it? And as we've gone through the Sermon on the Mount, I mean, we've been taken to the woodshed more than once, right? How many of you come through the Sermon of the Mount, unscathed, thinking I'm a pretty good fella and life is going okay. If that's the case, you haven't been listening. You've been in a fog. Yeah, it's very difficult, isn't it? Very hard, very weighty. Ugh, ugh. That's why he says, "Ask, seek, knock," because we can't do it. We need help. Lord, help us. Help us by your grace. Let us empower us. Help us to obey your words. And Jesus here in in this last few verses, he's continuing his theme uh, uh, that we saw last week. And Phil preached and and taught verses 21 through 23. In fact, verse 24, it says, Everyone then... um, in some of your translations, it'll say therefore, and of course you see therefore, what is therefore, therefore. Everyone then was referring to what's coming prior, and, and even the whole sermon, right? But he's warning in the, those, the immediate context, he's warning against verbal profession that have no heart reality, isn't he? The one who says, Lord, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this, and, and the Lord looks at him and says, I never knew you. Get away from me. Depart from me. You have no place with me. I don't know you. The pretender, right? Someone who professed, said it. I love, I love, I follow, I follow. But yet there's, it's nothing there. It's empty words. Are you the one who, to whom God will say, I, I never knew you? We don't read the, the, the Scriptures and we don't think about how exalted these words are, how moral, how glorious, how wonderful, how helpful, how positive, how whatever. We don't just say that. Oh, these words are wonderful. I had, had some friends of ours we were studying with overseas and they had never heard the Gospel. We shared the Gospel with them. They had some interest. We, we talked a lot about the Scriptures and, and we began to study the Word together. And they loved the scriptures. They loved studying the Bible. These scriptures, these words are wonderful. And the husband told me, you know, it, since I've studied, started studying the Bible, I'm a better husband. I'm a better husband. I'm a better father. Man, these, this Bible is wonderful. And we studied and we studied and we studied. And we, we, finally we had to stop and say, hey, we're not going to study more because they, there's all these Jesus' words are wonderful. I'm such a better person as a result. But they refused to enter the narrow gate. They're on this wide road that leads to destruction. And the words are wonderful. It's such a good teaching. But they, they resisted the most important commands, and that's repent and believe. Don't say, yeah, the Bible is awesome, it's wonderful. So moral and glorious. Don't just, let's just not see this Jesus' teaching and say those words. Let's, let's enter in the kingdom. Let's repent and trust Christ as Lord and Savior. And let's do what Jesus says to do. He tells us in verse 13 of chapter 7 to, to enter by the narrow gate. In verse 21, to do the will of the Father. Let's repent. Maybe that's you. Maybe today you've never repented. you never trusted Christ as as Savior and Lord. You're on the wide road that leads to destruction. Today, if you stood before the Lord, He would say, Away from me. Depart. I never knew you, you worker of lawlessness. Maybe today you need to repent. And and I think about the words that, that... God spoke through the prophet Ezekiel, the ones Hunter read for us in Ezekiel chapter 33, that the Israelites, they're in exile. And Ezekiel, he's, just, he's a prophet, he's a preacher. And, and Jesus knew, even as he's speaking these words and he's talking about these wise and foolish men, he knew that, that people would treat him like Ezekiel was treated. Listen, 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 come for the show, come for the show, but you walk away and you don't obey. Again, verse thirty-two of Ezekiel thirty-three. I'll just read it for you. And behold, you are like, you are to them like one who sings lustful songs. The Lord speaking to Ezekiel, lustful songs with a beautiful voice and play, and they love to hear you. They love to hear you. Oh, you're so eloquent. We love to hear you. Oh, that's so wonderful. For they hear what you say, but they will not do it. Jesus knew people would be like, like that. they would treat him like. The Israelites treated Ezekiel. Don't be like that. Obey the Lord. If grace, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if grace is operative in your life, if you're a believer, that's true, grace is operative in your life, then obedience to Jesus' words will be a characteristic of your life. Not perfectly, not perfectly. And we're not talking about merit and salvation. We done went through the Sermon on the Mount. We, We should have that down by now, right? We can't merit anything. Rungs on a ladder, nope. We can't do that. But we're saved by grace through faith in Christ. But as we follow Christ, as grace is operative in our lives, then obeying Jesus is going to be a characteristic of our lives. That doesn't mean that we don't say stupid things, Steve. Sometimes I'll get in the flesh and I'll say something harsh to my wife. But what does that also mean? That also means that once I'm aware of that, I have to apologize and make that right, ask forgiveness, right? That doesn't mean that we don't do stupid things. Get in the flesh and disobey. But by and large, our life should be characterized by obedience. And the more we grow in grace, the more we understand God's word, the more we walk with the Lord, the more our lives should be more and more like Christ, little by little, being sanctified by the truth. So if you're not a believer today, repent and believe. If you're a child, repent and believe. If you're a ten-year-old, a twelve-year-old, an eighty-year-old, repent and believe if you yet to repent. And if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, let's obey the Lord. Let our lives be characterized by obedience. If 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 three people the three people that were close to you, if I could ask those three people, is is their life? Is their life? Uh, would we say they know Jesus? do they obey the Lord? What would they say? The people that you spend the most time with. Well, part of obeying Jesus and following Him. Is, uh, includes taking the Lord's Supper and, and, and having that family meal together, and that's what we're about to do. And it's just not about eating the bread and drinking the juice, but we're going to take this, we want to take it rightly. I'm going I'm to read from Luke chapter 22 as we transition to this part of our service. Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 22. If you have your Bibles, just turn, it'll, it'll be helpful. Sometimes we, we don't put all the scriptures on, on, the, on the screen because I think it's just helpful to read your Bible. To have your Bible in hand and you'll be able to see it. And some of you have it on your phone and that's okay too. just pull that up. Luke chapter 22, if you're using the Black Pew Bible, it's uh, page 10:48. And we're, it's the first Sunday, and this is the, one of the best things we do as a church is we take the Lord's Supper. We take it every, every first Sunday or read verses 14 through 20. This is Luke's account of the Last Supper. This is what, What's so wonderful about the Lord's Supper is it don't matter how terrible the preaching... Sometimes you do really well and it's on. You feel like the Spirit's moving and people are connected. No one's sleeping. Some days people sleep like crazy. But when you just take the Lord's Supper, it doesn't really matter. It's going to be a good day, right, when you leave out of here. That's why I love it. Luke chapter 22, verse 14 through 20. This is Luke's account of the Last Supper. And when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And Jesus said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he says, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Well, it's a, a new covenant that he's initiating here. And, and the new covenant was better than the old See, under the old covenant, the Jews were would celebrate the Passover. Do you remember the Passover celebration? What that's all about? They would remember how God delivered them from the hand of Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And the last judgment, the last plague. What's the last plague? Do you remember, Seth? The last one. Do you remember, Bella? Do you remember the last plague? Caitlin, do you remember? What is it? Yeah, death of firstborn. If you're here on Wednesday night, if you're here on Wednesday night. You'll know that, adults, because we've been going through that. I encourage you to do that come on Wednesday night. Yeah, the the last judgment, the last plague is the death of the firstborn. And every household in Egypt would have the firstborn taken from them as the Lord came through Egypt. And what did God do? He struck down the firstborn in every house. And the the way for the Israelites to escape this judgment and for their houses to be passed over was to have the blood of the lamb, the Passover lamb, put over the, the threshold of the door. But Christ here, he's celebrating the Passover with the disciples. This is the Last Supper. And he's establishing a new covenant in his blood. And we have to see that Jesus saying, I am the ultimate Passover lamb. And Paul even calls Jesus that, the Passover lamb. Jesus is the ultimate Passover lamb that the ones in Egypt pointed towards. And all those times, every year, for centuries, they're celebrating this Passover feast, and what they're doing is they're pointing towards Christ. See, Jesus would make a once-for-all sacrifice by willingly giving up his life, spilling his own blood so that we could be spared. And if we'll repent of our sins and we'll trust Christ's work on the cross, we can avoid the judgment. Just as the blood of the threshold or the door frames in Egypt rescued them from judgment of God. See, Jesus' blood can make atonement for our sin and, and rescue us from the wrath that is to come. Because the wrath of God is coming. We talked about the, the storm, the day. Of, maybe maybe that is the day of judgment. But the day of judgment is coming for all of us. We'll stand before the Lord and we'll give an account and those that have repented and, and trusted Christ's work on the cross as, as our own. Mia, those folks, those of us who are part of the church, will we won't suffer the, the wrath. We'll be passed over, right? But for those who haven't, you'll suffer the the wrath. Just like the Egyptians, the the firstborn was taken, was judged. Well, you'll be judged, but you'll be judged for all eternity. But Christ here is establishing this new covenant in His blood. and Isn't it wonderful? For those of us who are believers, who are part of the church, it's a wonderful celebration. It's a memorial, but it's a, a celebration, and it's a time we remember Christ and him establishing that new covenant because he's done that we have new life and we have forever life eternal life in Christ so why do we take the Lord's Supper well first of all it's a public profession of faith and, and as you come in we do it a little different because of COVID and all this stuff we're just trying to figure all this out as you come in there there's a cup and, and on top of the cup is a little bit someone told me I had to explain how to do this and I was like, well you know you have got the cup and you got the little thing at the top and somehow you might have to gnaw or whatever you just got to get in there right and the 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 bread is on top, and then you get in there again, and then the juice is on the bottom and what we 're going to do in just a moment we're going to take that together. I know it's a little different, but we just do what we have to do. It really doesn't matter the method how we it the, 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 the issue is what Blake is that we're focusing on jesus right but but it's a public profession of faith, and if if you came in, you should have gotten there should have been a greeter there that um that's going to tell you to take that if you're a believer in, in Christ. Now, if you're here and you don't have one of those, and you're saying, man, I'm a believer in Jesus, i like to take the Lord's Supper, but I don't have one of those cups, you can get up right now and everybody's going to be looking at you and you'll feel all crazy. Uh, get back there and go get one. Uh, I would say somebody will get you one, but everybody now is like, don't touch their stuff. So that's why we have hand sanitizer and putting the cups out. And I put the cups out this morning firstly, and I just put out hand sanitizer all over my hands. So I put them out so they're sterile uh, for sure. But, yeah, thank you, Jeff. Yeah, walk back there and get you one, because this is, even though you, quit looking at them. Quit looking at them, Cadence. They feel crazy. They feel crazy. Stop looking at them. Just look at me, right? And, well, when I got up here, I don't even have one. Dave, Gummit. On. Huh. Yeah, there's one right here. I was telling Chris that when I got here. This morning has been kind of a, it's, we're just getting back into doing everything, so it's been kind of like a little, I talk Blake. Blake, we were talking about it, it's like it's kind of like work this morning. You know, it's awesome, but it's just getting everything together. But I was like, I was looking up there, and I said, I bet they don't have any, any of the elements. But he said, Yeah, we he had taken care of that. So um, we take the Lord's supper. It's a public profession of faith, right? You're you're coming together, and you're saying, I can eat this family meal together because I'm a part of the family of God if you're a believer and if you've been baptized we encourage you to to take it with us we call it open communion and that don't mean everybody can take it but everybody that's a a baptized believer in Jesus can Um, why else should we take it? well to remember Jesus he said do this in remembrance of me right and so we're remembering what Christ has done for us his body broken that's what the bread represents we take the bread and we remember that his body was broken Jesus took on flesh and He walked this earth and He lived for us. And then the juice represents His, his blood and His precious blood that was spilled. His blood was shed and that's what we, we do. We remember what Christ has done. And, and also it's just good accountability. The Lord in His infinite wisdom knew we need to take the supper. Because what does it do? It makes us sit and think and have to deal with our own garbage, which we all have, right? And we have to confess our sin. And maybe if you're here and you're not a believer, it makes you have to sit and think, well, why can't I take the supper? And what's keeping me from repenting and trusting Christ? Jake led us in a time of confession. We've already had that time, and we'll have that time, uh, a little bit more of that uh, here in just a moment. But we're going to take it, and, and I'm going to lead us, and we'll take, like I said, we'll take that, that bread, and then we'll take the, the cup, but we'll do it together, all together. But let's just, by way of preparation, let's just sit before the Lord again and, and just confess our sin to the Lord. Things that, you know, there's sins of, of commission, things we've done that the Lord, we know, are, didn't please the Lord, that grieves the Lord, and there's sins of omission, things that we don't do, like loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. How many have done that today? None of us, right? So we need to confess our sin before the Lord as He brings it to our attention. Let's just sit before the Lord, and I'll lead us as we take this, this supper together. And if you're not a believer... Um, maybe sit and think about what's what's keeping you from trusting Christ today, Father. As we study through the Sermon on the Mount, you've raised the bar for us and given us quite a, a standard to live up to, and we us believers. Here, it recognizes we can't keep your law. We're too sinful. And your law is too holy. We've recognized that we're lacking. And as a result, we've cried out to Christ and we've repented and trusted His work on the cross as our own. And we're here, left on this earth, Indwelt with the Spirit trying to live for you and we fall short. We don't love like we should. We don't give like we should. We're not gracious and merciful to others like you've been gracious and merciful to us we do oftentimes hold others to a higher standard than we have for ourselves. We're not perfect as you're perfect. We don't love our spouses or our kids or our parents. As husbands, we don't love our wives like Christ loves the church and wives aren't submissive to their husbands as they should children aren't as obedient respectful as they should be Lord we don't work as unto you we confess that forgive us father In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take out your bread and we'll take that together. This bread, it represents Jesus' body. We want to remember, be thankful for His body that was broken for us. he took the bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and gave it to them saying this is my body which is given for you do this in remembrance of me let's pray one more time father we do thank you for jesus's body it was given for us was broken for us we acknowledge this sweet wonderful gift given for us and we're thankful for it in jesus name amen let's eat the bread that represents the body of jesus together And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Let's give thanks for the blood of Christ. Father, we acknowledge that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. And we're thankful for the precious, precious blood of Jesus that was shed for sinners like me. We're thankful that the Passover lamb shed his blood so that we could be passed over and our sin debt removed. Father, we're thankful that we have no fear of the wrath, the angry wrath you'll pour out on lost people. Those that are on the wide road of destruction, Father, we're thankful that that's been removed and we're thankful for the blood of Christ. How precious it is. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take the cup representing the blood of Jesus was shed for sinners. And put those in it. Put those in the cup holder in front of you. Jesus, incredible gift, wasn't he? Given for us. Us the church. Thank you for tuning in today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast if this message has been helpful to you. Again, if you have any questions, go to our website for our contact information and we'll see you next time.